the story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? The Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud. Uh, get into the 2022-2023 conclusion of the regular season, heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to talk, of course, pretty much our matchup versus the Devils, but as well as other matchups around the league. I look forward to it. We're going to dedicate about two-thirds of our talk uh, for that Rangers and Devils playoff matchup, but as well as um, leave some time, uh, a third of it, the back 30 minutes of uh, around the West, you know the Western Conference matchups, the Eastern Conference matchups. I look forward to it because uh, uh, it's pretty much going to be like that for tomorrow's episode for the basketball, the Knicks, and the rest of the NBA playoffs, the playing games, a couple of going on right now, and also the games tomorrow. And then I also look forward um, to the stakeholder mock draft, Thursday's episode, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, pick by pick for the Big Blue uh, football Giants are uh, round by round. I, I've been doing my homework for like the last two weeks. I am finally, uh, you know, de- definitely thoroughly excited for that. But first, hockey, of course, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud and got RP with us. We're going to dedicate, of course, uh, this first episode of Rangers Devils matchup conclusion of the regular regular season. Uh, give some uh, kudos and praise to Ryan Lindgren. But RP, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's what's up with you, sir? Uh, just been busy, Steve, and really busy with lacrosse with the girls, but um, I'm doing well. My wife and I got to catch the uh, the Ranger game last night. Got some last minute tickets, so that was uh, that was pretty fun. And you know, getting ready for the playoffs. Right, right. So yeah, definitely leave the conversation, man. Um, I know it's playoff season. Some of the matchups uh, as we get to the Western and Eastern Conference at the very end of this episode. But, uh, you know, talk Devils versus Rangers, Ryan Lindgren, uh, you know, with the McDonald Award. We can talk about all that. Got Carl with us, got Glenn with us, got Scott with us. I'll bring them one on, on one at a time. Carl, say hello. How you doing, sir? Good evening, gentlemen. I, I'm feeling much better than uh, Ryan Lindgren did when he took that puck off the side of his face last Ooh. night. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of insurance does he have? I'm, does he have that premium insurance? I've been wondering about this because, my goodness, his body looks like – remember that game Operation? Of course. Yes. That, that, he, that's yeah, he is Operation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that red nose, right? <laughs> right. I know, right? Shout out to uh, Carl. Uh, Glenn, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, hello, everyone. Another uh, good evening of hockey. Um, I uh, kind of wonder along with Carl, I remember we were talking the last couple of weeks when they were holding Lindgren out, and we were kind of talking about how, uh, you know, he's going to get his share of bumps and bruises in the playoffs, so let's just make sure he's right before the season ends, and uh, he's getting a little head start uh, by a couple of games, so hopefully he's okay, seemed like he was, and uh, we'll uh, be able to start the playoffs with him and uh, with him together 
um, with Fox, and uh, you know we'll start with a healthy team. All right, and Scott, welcome back. Uh, the Ring Podcast where Rings are proud. How you doing, sir? Hey, gentlemen. Good evening, and. Uh... Yeah, you know, um, Steve, you're, you're pretty much thrown, uh, thrown on the towel wrong, uh, the exact opposite. Uh, you pretty much sealed the deal written in stone that we got the Devils in the first round. They, uh, they're not going down quietly for that division. I give them credit. And uh, I have completely flip-flopped on who I want to play from, from last week. Yeah, I, make, I told you I'd make a great politician. I completely did a 180 on where I stand here on who I want to play. So uh, I can explain that uh, next time around when we get into that one. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited here. <laughs> that, 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 that is a good point because everything's still not set in stone, even though I think the Hurricanes were uh, beating the Red Wings uh, right now tonight. So that that is a good point because it's not guaranteed we we are playing the Devils, but I kind of look at it if we are playing them or if we play Carolina. But RP, I'll let you lead, go ahead and lead the conversation, bro. Um, however you want to talk, take it tonight, end of the regular season, headed into playoffs, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, you know, um, we all pretty much figured it was going to be the Devils. Might still be Carolina. Uh, being locked up at the number three isn't bad. I'm, listen, if you want to win the cup, you're going to have to beat a lot of good hockey teams to get there. So I don't think people should be so concerned about who we're playing in the first round, um, the way the new playoff format is. Two good teams are going home in the first round, right? The Rangers, let's just say it's the Devils. The Rangers, the Devils, Toronto, Tampa Bay, two pretty damn good hockey clubs aren't making it out of the first round regardless of how good of a season they had because of the new playoff structure. So I think it doesn't really matter what or who we play. I think where I'm, what I was looking for over these last three, four games is the team playing at the level that we need them to play at. And I got to tell you, their first periods really suck. Over the last two weeks, they have horrible starts. And if they don't find a way to improve it, and I'm sure you guys will talk about it around the horn here. They have to find a way to come out stronger in the first period. I think they had four shots on goal against Buffalo last night. Now, the Rangers were battling at the time for second. Buffalo's trying to get into the wild card. So there was a lot on the table for both teams. Uh, Carl, why can't we play good in the first 20 minutes of a hockey game? Because I believe, and I've been kind of – on this for a couple of weeks, I believe that they are simply uh, in, it's it's a mindset issue in terms of managing their way to the end, which should be tomorrow night. That's what I've concluded. I actually concluded the week weeks ago. It's it's hard. Here's how I, I look at it. It's impossible for me to for the have to have the Ranger players just on an individual basis have the same mindset when they know that their future is secured as opposed to other teams who are forced to play basically quote-unquote playoff hockey every night to survive and be able to make the postseason. Like Buffalo, we've seen these last like three Buffalo games in the last what, two and a half weeks. Like the way Buffalo has been coming out and playing these games, that's because, you know, they're, they're playing for something. They, they, they need to, you know, their season's going to be over if, if things don't go right. Basically, I think their points, they're not going to make it. But, you know, they're playing for something. It's hard to conjure – that same level of emotion. It's, it's, just, it's just a very difficult thing to do. 
And that's kind of what I've taken it. Now, as the game goes on, the team gets, you know, a little bit more engaged and they, you know, try to, you know, play, you know, play to, you know, as, as good as they can play at the, you know, for the most part. But the start of the games, I just feel as if there is a, it's a very difficult period. And it's been about six weeks now that this has been sort of their fate where it's just hard to just conjure any level of emotional intensity or just emotional excitement uh, to come out and, and start these games, you know, come Monday night. And that's what I'm projecting based on how I've seen the, um, uh, the stadium, the, uh, the arena schedules for both, uh, for both teams, you know, come Monday night. Now, if, if we see the same thing Monday at Prudential Center or, at, uh, or in Carolina, well, then now, then, then that becomes its own sort of soccer. So we would have seen it coming, and these, the, it's just sort of playing on itself. However, if the Rangers do something completely different where we see a much better compete level, much better excitement, much better jump to start the postseason, and usually in postseason games, everybody sort of comes out with that same energy and jump. So it's going to be hard for me to believe that the Rangers are going to come out in the first period in game one and be flat. I just have a difficult time even considering that possibility. So I just look at it just for what it is and really not getting either angry or or too upset about it. Okay. Uh, Scott, what do you think about that? <laughs> Anything you want to add? Well, um, I, I partially agree with that. Um, but, but on the other hand, that that's just been the Rangers' game for years, unfortunately. It's more often than not, they, they, they do show up flat. I mean, remember we saw it again in the Penguin series uh, last year when they were um, – you know, they, they just got pummeled in uh, in games three and four and five, as a matter of fact. Remember, they found we you know down three games to one. We found ourselves down two nothing real early into that game. Um, you know, down three games to one. I mean, granted, it, it all had a happy ending, but uh, that's just unacceptable. And um, so, yeah, that's pretty much uh, been the Rangers' game plan for some reason. And this is a you know, dating back years, they've had a problem coming out, uh, hitting the ground running. You know, 2015 conference finals against Tampa, uh, after putting up seven goals in game four to tie a series, they got shut out at home. Uh, and then, you know, after putting up seven goals again in game six in Tampa, got shut out again at home. Uh, and, and they were just completely flat. I was at both of those games, completely flat to start. Now, granted, Tampa was too, but Tampa had enough. You know, just yeah. I, I think um, I'm not worried about about it carrying over. Well, you know what? I guess I kind of am. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, they do. They need to come out more fired up, uh, hit the ground running, set the tone. You know, it's it's like they want to be a punching bag. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, Rocky's strategy in uh, in the second Clubber Lang fight in Rocky Three. His strategy was let me just let him unload on me and get tired, and then I'll uh, you know scoop in for the win. You know, it's it's like that's their game plan, and uh, it it is a little frustrating, yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. Uh, Glenn, would you uh, any way to fix this? Or we just got to yeah, I, you know, uh, you know, they have gotten off to slow starts in the last couple of weeks, but they're also six one and three in their last ten games. So uh, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. Um, I think in the post game interviews of uh, you know, pick your player. Lindgren said it the other night. I've heard Fox say it. I've heard Truba say it. Uh, where they all say, yeah, we, we we didn't quite start the way we wanted to, but I think we got better as the game went along. And, and that almost seems like a mindset that they have. It's like that's programmed into their uh, into their minds, and, and they all pretty much say the same thing. 
after, uh, you know, after the game. Um, you know, they do come back and, and win a, a number of those games. But, again, it, it, it seems like every time they have a number of games where they don't play well and there starts to be a little grumbling from the fans and, and from Gallant, you know, they come out and they put a six spot up on uh, Nashville or they put a five spot up on Detroit. And then you're like, wow, this team is flying. So, you know, you see that the, the potential is there, um, but this team almost seems to have an unshakable mindset of uh, no matter how, much, how poorly we start, uh, we have confidence in ourselves that we're going to be able to come back. But, you know, in the playoffs, that's a bit of a different story. You're playing a team that's as good or better than you are. Uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of agree with Scott. I, I fully expect them to come out uh, firing on all cylinders once the playoffs start. Uh, but I am a little worried because, as he pointed out, there were some games in the first round against Pittsburgh where, where they did come out flat and, and you know, were, you know, I want to say they were lucky to win that series. They probably were. So, uh, I, you know, it's, a, it's just so confusing that they could be so inconsistent in the first uh, periods. And, uh, you know, again, I think they'll come out flyering in the, once the playoffs start. But, it, it, like Scott said, this has been a, a, an issue – for years, players come and go, but it just seems like the issue uh, continues to go on and on. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Now, Scott, Steve, what are we Scott gonna Glenn, do? And, and can I can I add a little bit, and Steve, before Steve jumps in there? Sure. See, yeah. the counter to that would be look at how the very first game of last year's postseason started against Pittsburgh. If you remember, the first about 25 minutes of the game. The crowd was on fire. The, the, the Rangers were just coming out, just hitting the Penguins basically mm-hmm. all over the place. It was 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. But, dot, 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 as the game progressed, all of that went for nothing. So, even with that, it's not, as, it's not like correlation causation. If, they, if the Rangers come out strong, that then translates into victory. Like, we have seen, you know, Basically, for every instance of this, it's probably about 50-50, and we only remember the bad you know, periods in which they come out flat as opposed to the periods in which they do come out strong, but that doesn't carry its way through the whole game. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Steve? <laughs> I, my, my opinion as far as what the Rangers have done since the Sunday game Versus the Capitals, the only game I really did not see was the St. Louis game, the St. Louis Blues game on the road. So you guys won't have to fill me in, kind of what was the ebb and flow of that game. I totally missed that entire game. It was the game before that that kind of like told me I think the Rangers are kind of ready for a playoff run. I thought that was a very convincing, dominant win versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's a team that needs to be battle tested versus Toronto. We kind of talked about that last week. They followed up the loss, and I did see what they did to Columbus, a wounded Columbus team that's not going anywhere. And to, like, Carl's point, I kind of agree with them. Like, the Rangers are just – they're really treating this like experimental hockey. They really have nothing necessarily to play for as far as going up in seeding or down in seeding. It was really about getting players back, and we talked about Lindgren, um, uh, you know, preserving him and getting him ready for the playoffs. And by the way, congratulations on the, on the Stephen McDonald Award, the third defenseman to win that award. 
so it was really about getting bodies back and better play for everybody as a cohesive unit for me. So I thought they've kind of played pretty well the last six games or so. So I'm not going to trip over an overtime loss to Buffalo, who actually has something to play for. They're probably not going to make it due to the points. So um, honestly, the the way I look at the blue shirts, we've been saying this for well over a month. It, I mean, really, depending on what Ranger fan you're going to talk to, they, they, they have no winning situation. I mean, they've won more games than they lost. They haven't lost position uh, as far as the standings. And it's really about getting ready for New Jersey or Carolina, depending on who it is. Now that I said all that, uh, it to me, I'm not saying who I rather will play. I, I'm just going to give you the perspective of how I see how it can go versus, let's say, New Jersey. I do worry a little bit more about New Jersey uh, than Carolina, and here's why. The reason why is I think they have better recovery speed than the Carolina. I think Carolina is more of the physical team. I think the Rangers have seen a lot, even though it's crazy how you look at it, where New York and New Jersey, they're pretty much, you know, they're close to proximity, but I believe the Rangers have seen a lot more of Carolina the last couple of years due to playoff runs and things of that mm-hmm. nature. They know that style a little bit more on the ice than New Jersey. And I think New Jersey – uh, with the additions, uh, you know, with Tatar and Timo Meyer and him bouncing around the lines, I don't think the Rangers have really seen a lot of Jersey like they have seen of Carolina. And and I know we're going to talk about the matchups, uh, who it could be. But it was that last Jersey. As a matter of fact, the last two Jersey games at, at Prudential, where I saw the speed, and Carl alluded it to like about a couple of weeks ago, their speed can give range, the Rangers some problems, especially if the Rangers get sloppy in the neutral zone and especially on their offensive zone. So um, that's kind of my take on how I saw the Rangers over the last month, RP. Um, I thought they played pretty well. I, I, RP, let me ask you this. How do you feel as far as that last Wednesday game versus the Lightning? Because I thought that game was a big statement when it was almost like opening night, how they dominated them as the game went along. What was your thoughts on that, bro? And then um, anything yeah, else you'd like I, to add? Around? Yeah, no, I thought exactly what you thought. That was a great win. It showed what the team can do when they're really firing on all cylinders. And it's what they're going to need that, that kind of play, that mistake-free kind of game. Once the playoffs start, because, you know, once the playoffs start around, listen, I, this is going to sound crazy, guys. The Boston Bruins are a great hockey team. I don't think a team like the Rangers or Carolina, I don't think anybody fears them. Because you want to know something? When the playoffs start, you have zero wins. And it's the first to 16. Now, of course, I have said in the past on this podcast how the Bruins would only lose mm-hmm. if they, if beat, they themselves. beat themselves. But we have seen that. And I don't think it's a far-fetched pass to say that the target is on the Boston Bruins' back. So going into these playoffs, I just want to see the team firing on all cylinders. And as much as they're playing well, you, you see some stupid mistakes that I know everyone's saying, well, it's against Buffalo and it doesn't matter. But, but it does matter when you're trying to fine-tune your lineup and, and your, your algorithm, I guess you could say, for the playoff run. That the giveaway by Miller last night just can't be done. It, it can't be done, and I'm not picking on him. I'm, uh, I'm calling him out the way, shit, the way I called my daughter out on a bad play today at a lacrosse game. Fact's a fact. You cannot give the puck up the way he did with nobody on him, and it wound up costing us another point that we needed. These little mistakes in the playoffs are going to crush you. And maybe people think I'm nitpicking here, but after 81 games, I just don't expect it. 
and I know things happen on the ice and, and, and this and that, but in, in the third period of a, a tight one-goal game, it doesn't matter who you're playing in the NHL because they're all high-quality players. You can't make mistakes like that, and that can't carry on into the playoffs because it's going to cost you an important game. It might cost you a series. It might cost you nothing, but they need to work on these little things because it just it always seems, guys, and maybe I'm wrong, that it's always something that bites them in the ass. And it continues to happen. And what's funny is that their record and and their ability to come back and not quit, that literal no quit in New York, is why their record is so good despite bad starts and and, and some tough plays. So that's just how I'm looking at it. I'm not, you know, I was at the game yesterday. It was an incredible atmosphere. I haven't been to a sellout at the Garden since pre-COVID. It was great. I I have questions about the shootouts. I'm sure you guys do. Like, why doesn't anybody shoot the puck from the hash marks anymore instead of skating all the way in, all up an hour in Kako last night? But we can discuss stupid things like that later on. But if you, you guys understand where I'm going with it, the, the mistakes after a while, Chesterkin is not going to be able to save you. After a while, Jim Banajar is not going to be able to get that goal to, to break a tie or take a lead if you keep giving the puck away. So I, I don't know. These games, though they don't mean a lot, it was either second place or third place, and most likely it was either playing at MSG in game one or at the Prudential Center in game one, which is like almost MSG. But they did have a shot, a slim one, to get first place. That would have been just nice just to see them make that move. Was it important? Maybe. I don't know. I still think if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best, and whoever we play, we have to defeat but I'm old and I have that old school mentality to it. So I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I, am I being too critical of them or are these something the London teams got to keep an eye on as, you know, a week from now we start the playoffs? Um, let me kind of chime in real quick, just 30 seconds. And then we'll bring back on Carl to answer your question. RP, as you already know, when we drafted Keandre Miller um, and we saw his first you know, take the ice. He's made bonehead plays. He made critical mistakes. And pretty much in his young career, um, even though he'll make a big mistake, we talked about this on many of post games over the years, he's always made up for it in the same game. And, you know, unfortunately, that mm-hmm. did not come in last night's game. So I'm not worried about Keandre Miller like a lot of fans are because, as you guys know, we've seen Keandre Miller make production or make up with production in the same game to cover his mistakes, and it's kind of been consistent with that. So that's kind of where I stand with Keandre Miller. And by the way, before we go to your call, I'm a huge Keandre Miller fan too. So it's not like a, oh, I don't like them, so let's rip them apart. Maybe I just expect too much out of him this late in the game because he's so skilled and so good. It's just I just don't want to see the bonehead plays right now. You know what I mean, Steve? It's just hockey is so tight. Right, right. The teams I agree. I agree. are so good. The, the players are so good that one stupid play and the puck's going to be behind you. And in the playoffs, it's more costly than in the regular season. So mm. that, you know, and also that I was there spending all my money on beer and shit. So I want to say a win, but whatever. Uh, what, what, what do you think, Carl? Well, you know, Joe was making that point on the game last night that this is probably the worst game that he had seen Miller play. And so perhaps, you know, that. maybe he mm-hmm. was fighting – Maybe he was fighting, you know, a, a stomach bug or, you know, maybe he was just, you know, just woke up. You know, sometimes everybody just has a bad day, you know. Like, we haven't yeah. said that about Miller pretty much the whole season. That just, that one night yesterday just sort of stuck out 
like, wow, he's really, you know, really playing pretty, you know, he's fighting himself, you know, right now in, in this game. And you know what, that's going to happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm going to give him a complete, you know, mulligan for, for that particular performance, considering all of the good performances he's had, you know, throughout the year. So for that one last night, I, I will, I will just say, Hey, listen, just, just chalk it up as a bad night and you just move on from there. I agree. Scott, what do you think? I'm I'm getting I'm a little too picky tonight, right? No, no, I actually uh, agree. Um, that, that both of those complaints, slow starts, and um, um, and, and what you were just talking about are are the reason why uh, we haven't won a Stanley Cup uh, in, in you know since '94. <laughs> And I mean, they all. My my point, my problem uh, with the team that I will nitpick is, and it, it obviously it can't be addressed until we get to the playoffs. But winning series is in less than seven games, and that's always been a problem. The Rangers taking series mm-hmm. in seven games mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have, and um, you know that that that's you know slow starts that they you know hang in there, no quit, fine, but they might find themselves losing. And and yes. Uh, like Glenn said, they recover nicely, usually in the next game or whatnot. Um, but this is how series is drag out to seven games that shouldn't. And I, I made a list. I think um, since since you know in, in the post lockout era, by my count, they've been a legitimate Stanley Cup contender four times: 2012, 2014, 2015, and 2022. Uh, that's what I come up with. In 2012, they won the conference. They were the one seed. They went seven games with Ottawa, seven games with the Capitals, uh, and then clearly ran out of gas. And you know, as they mm-hmm. lost to the Devils in Game Six. You know, you can't go to seven games in the first two series like that. 2024, they went seven games against Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm sorry, seven games against the Flyers. They were infinitely better than the Flyers. Seven games against the Flyers, seven games against Pittsburgh, Montreal six. And then, um, you know, I don't know if that was, if the fatigue was an issue in, in, in the uh, against the Kings. We, we saw they couldn't close out games. They, they could only play about, you know, 45 minutes of solid hockey. And then the Kings just completely took over and erased whatever leads we had. Uh, 2015, we finally closed out a series early, uh, Pittsburgh in five, but then seven games Washington, seven games Tampa, uh, in which, you know, I just mentioned that they had absolutely nothing going on in games five and seven. Uh, and last year, seven games Pittsburgh, seven games Carolina. Um, now, I, I give them somewhat of a pass. I will take that uh, uh, I will take that to the grave with me as far as uh, – hell-bent on what could have been last year if not for the COVID crunch schedule. But in any case, maybe had they shaved one or one game off of each series or, or whatnot, maybe they don't run out of gas like that. Uh, who knows? But um, I, you know, I, I just think they have to start. And, and you know, the days of a Easy, easy first round are over. Obviously, um, you know, like, you know, like you said, RP, when you started, you've got uh, two legit Stanley Cup contenders that aren't getting past the first round, and it's a shame. So, you know, the, the days of like the team we played, uh, the, the Islander team we played in '94 in the first round, where they were basically an AHL team against the, the Rangers, you know, those days are obviously over. But that doesn't mean that they can't fix some of these mistakes and sloppiness and slow starts, and maybe even though the team that they're playing is very very good uh maybe they can get out in a, in a five or a six game uh first round and 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 not crap out late uh because for whatever reason you know i think all three of us are correct all of these reasons are just contributing factors to why they have not won a stanley cup uh in almost 30 years 
you know, I, I think those four years, and, and if anybody wants to jump in, if there's any years that I'm missing, but going through the playoffs, I think those were the four legit actual contenders that, for whatever reason, all some of them were pleasant surprises, yes, but they all fell short. I think seven yeah. games, closing out somebody I, less than seven is the key. My, uh, I'll be, let me give you real quick. My, my, my thoughts on why you know, those those teams with Vigneault and um, Tortorella, they were defensive-minded teams, so a lot of those scoring is going to be low scoring uh, uh, based on those roster constructions. So I could see why a lot of those series went seven games versus very high-powered offenses. You know, when you have uh, uh, Dan Girardi, uh, you know, you had uh, – uh, McDonough, you had uh, Stepan, you, you had guys who could score, but they weren't really, that's not their forte. So they their whole game plan is totally different than what this roster is constructed. So I can see why a lot of those series uh, went the distance the way they did. And matter of fact, and just in hockey in general, a lot of, these, a lot, a lot of series are seven-game series anyway. Like you said, isn't it, the, the days of teams just blowing past teams like that, unless you're like all-time great, they're kind of pretty much done. Tremendously talented yeah. offensive teams usually will have shorter series than teams that have to grind out goals to begin with. Look at Colorado mm-hmm. last year as an example. You know, the Rangers have never had that level of talent to just basically overwhelm the opposition. So when you're playing on a margin, as the Rangers have based on their just overall talent level, the games are going to, you know, the games are just going to, by nature in the postseason, be close. And so you just sort of factor in a little bit of a bounce here, a little bit of luck here, things happen, and then all of a sudden you find yourself six or seven games deep into a series. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I totally get that, that the Rangers are, are typically not built for those. But, I mean, this year, man, look at our lineup. You know, look at the firepowers, Abanajad, Kreider, mm-hmm. Panarin, Fox, Tarasenko, Kane. I mean, they they have the firepower this year. Remember, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about how they were scoring five, six goals a game for like five, six goals games straight. Um, now, yes, obviously things tighten up in the playoffs and whatnot, but they do actually have the firepower that uh, not every game has to be a typical Rangers hockey two-to-one win in the playoffs. be nice to get one of these four-nothing leads early on in, uh, you know, one of these playoff games for a change. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Scott. Well, let me ask you this, Looking at our roster or lineup versus jerseys, you know, I mean, how do you see this going if we were to play jersey? If you're defending against Jack Hughes, Nick Hishia, and Thomas Tatar and Timo Meyer, like, how do you think this is going to happen in a playoff setting if we had to play them? And that, the same question goes for everybody. They, you know, when they get a chance. Well, very interesting because they're a high-flying, fast team, and hopefully that uh, with, with, with their playoff jitters on a lot of these kids and ho- overconfidence maybe, hopefully that translates into some odd man rushes and some mistakes on their part the other way. Um, you know, th- that was one of the reasons why last week when I, I had said I wanted to play the Devils in the first round because I thought that would be less physical, um, more high-flying, and I think uh, – you know, to, to, to the firepower that we have, uh, be able to get some goals in there. I'm not sold on Vanacek. I think he's a huge, huge upgrade from Blackwood, but I think he's been playing above his pay grade, but we'll find out. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's, uh, you know, is, is, is the real deal and good enough. But, you know, like I said earlier, I, now I'm flip-flopping because Carolina, since they lost Spechnikov on, on March 11th, they're under 500. Uh, I did the math today. I think it was eight and, eight and, um, 
eight and nine, eight and ten, maybe. Uh, you know, if you combine the overtime losses there, so you know, and that's a decent sample size. That's uh, that's twenty twenty games or so. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, seventeen games, seventeen eighteen games. That's that's a decent little sample size here. They're not the same team. They're not. I mean, they're still very very you know a uh, difficult out, but they're nowhere near the team they were before they lost uh, Svechnikov. I think. Um, so yeah, I, I'm flip flopping on that there uh, because I, I think we're now that a decisive edge over Carolina, but. I think the Devils series will be a little more uh, wide open, and hopefully, with their lack of playoff experience, that uh, that leads to our uh, you know mistakes on our end if it comes to that. Yeah, I, I don't be shy. <laughs> I think I, I think either series is going to be hard, but again, I think the Devils is just. I think we match up better against Carolina this year. Um, not not to say that we can't beat the Devils, but it's going to be such a harder series. Definitely a six-game series at minimum against the Devils. Um, and Jack Hughes is just playing so damn good. Hershey's is playing well. Timo Meyer, we always knew he was a good player, and he's skating well. I mean, they, they have a lot of weapons. They're fast on the puck. They're fast when they're not on the puck. They have great coverage on the ice. Um, yeah, I, you know, whoever we play, it's going to be hard. If I had to choose. Crazy it sounds. I'd probably rather take Carolina in the first round. Not that we're going to have that choice to make. Uh, the reality of it is, I think it's going to be the Devils. And you know, you put your best foot forward. I mean, I, we win in the goaltending battle, in the scoring battle. You know, like Glenn said, we have a lot of firepower. Now, if they take advantage of it, if they don't stop that overpassing crap that they've been known to do through the season and trying to make every goal look like a beautiful tic-tac-toe. Instead, I like to see more goals like Panarin scored last night. One cross I passed to him and a blast into the upper corner. That That's what you need the Rangers to do, and they have the, you know, the capacity to do that. Um, I think they're evenly matched up, but I just think it's a much harder game and a harder series to win against New Jersey. Right, Glenn, you want well, anything I'll, you want I'll to say? Yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'll jump in here. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of pick your poison as far as uh, I can tell. Um, if we do wind up playing Carolina in the first round, um, you know, I'll I'll go back to what Scott was saying before about all those seven game series that uh, you know the the Rangers went through that might have taken a little gas out of them later on in the playoffs. Um, you know, Carolina, obviously they're wounded with uh, Svechnikov out. But, you know, they're, they're a, uh, a heavier uh, four-checking kind of team. And, uh, you know, I, I, if the Rangers wind up playing Carolina and that series goes six and seven, six or seven games, um, you know, and then you got the Devils playing either the, uh, the Islanders or Florida or uh, I don't think Pittsburgh's getting in. Uh, and they win that series in five, uh, how much confidence do the Devils get uh, in the first round while we're banging away with, with Carolina? So, um, you know, it kind of makes me wonder that maybe it would be better if we play the Devils, although they might be the stronger team, um, just to kind of take advantage of, uh, you know, the, all those players on the Devils kind of playing in the playoffs for the first time. The, the thing that worries me about the uh, Devils is, uh, you know, the Rangers have a uh, propensity 
with uh, a lot of their, you know, nice-looking east-west passes that they like to uh, do. And they just have a propensity for making mistakes, giving the puck up. Um, guys like, you know, Keandre and Truba and even Fox and Panera and Kane, uh, those guys that like to, you know, look cross ice. Um, the Devils took advantage of that in the last game, and that might just be kind of recency bias uh, from remembering the last game. But the thing that concerns me about playing the Devils is the Rangers are going to have to cut down on those mistakes that they make in the neutral zone and – you know, even those passes that they try to make from the half wall uh, up up the center ice, or you know, to to the uh, to the opposite wing, um, you know, the Devils pick those off, and 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 uh, you know, they're a strong transition team, and with their speed, uh, they can really turn those uh, errors into goals very quickly. So that worries me about playing the Devils in the first round. Um, but I'd also be concerned about – I'm sounding like a, a, a Ranger fan now that's like looking for all the bad things that could happen. Uh, but, you know, playing Carolina in the first round, you know, if we got to go seven with them and it's a hard-hitting series, even with Sveshnikov out and Devils cruise in five in the first round, you know, that, that may not set up well for the Rangers in the second round. So, um, you know, it kind of comes down to, do you want to play Carolina have a better chance of getting to the second round? Or, you know, do you want to, uh, you know, kind of cut the devils off at the knees maybe before they get a chance to get some momentum and some confidence uh, for themselves? So I kind of see that as, you know, going either way. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to take good points about playing either team. Um, I think the Rangers could uh, knock off Carolina again because of, you know, especially the, the familiarity that the Rangers have with, uh, with the way Carolina plays. Um, and I know there's that uncertainty with the Devils, but, you know, the one thing that you worry about with them is, or you think about with them is that, uh, you know, maybe they got a little jitters in the first round. Um, you know, if you can, if you can uh, exacerbate that by getting out in front, again, we've seen that's not necessarily a strong suit of the Rangers, but if they can fix that and kind of get the Devils back on their heels in the first period of those games, um, I think they might have uh, an advantage there, or maybe the Devils might press. And uh, uh, like uh, uh, someone said, you know, maybe we force the Devils into making some of those mistakes. So, uh, um, you know, I think it can go either way. Whoever they wind up playing, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be okay with and uh, be confident with. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are certainly dangers of uh, playing either team in the first round. I yeah. uh, want to add yeah. to that. Uh, I'll go ahead, Arby. I'll be real quick. The reason why I agree with what Glenn said is because I think the Devils are the better skating team with bet, with the speed. Carolina's more of a burly four-checking team, and if you don't got the right puck handling, I think we have that this season with this roster. It's not as a problem like it was in past years where Jersey, when you're a better skating team, you get those – those ticky tack penalties on, you know, I don't want, you know, the refs involved. I do worry with our penalty kill unit versus uh, Timo Meyer, uh, Dougie Hamilton, uh, Jack Hughes. I, I don't want to get into a special team situation, even though the PK has kind of been okay, uh, you know, top 12 this season for the most part. I don't feel confident 
against the Devils power play unit, and I don't see power play situations developing with Carolina as frequent as if we were to play the Devils if we get lazy on the ice because of their speed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, just looking at stats from this past season, the Rangers were 1-2-1 one, and one against the Devils in four games. They scored 11 goals in four games, but they gave up 14. The Carolina Hurricanes also played them four games. We were 3-1 and one against the Hurricanes. We scored 15 goals, but only gave up nine. I don't have a breakdown if there were more power play goals or whatever, but overall you could see – uh, a stark difference in, you know, goals against and just the battle that the Rangers had against the team. So, you know, on paper and, and what everybody has said, you would think Carolina definitely would be a better matchup for us. But then again, we're probably going to have to face the Devils one way or another somewhere. So we just let the standings dictate what happens and take it from there. Um, so let me ask you that. Let me ask you about that on the, on the, on the special teams. And RP, uh, what about we get in a situation where drawing or they're drawing penalties on us, and and they're throwing out their first power play unit? Where the Rangers this season have been above average in shorthanded goals, I don't see those opportunities happening versus Jersey to take advantage when we're down a man and turning up ice where the Rangers want to excel. They've been trying to do that more often the last couple of years. We've been very well doing well on shorthanded goals. How do you look at the special team situations? Uh, you know, like you said, the Devils have scored a lot of goals against us in those four games. What are your thoughts, especially well, if we get into that, a situation with the penalties? See, see I, I think when one team knows another team, power play isn't as efficient. I think that team tends to be more aggressive. I'm going to take a little bit more of a rough shot at you, a little bit more hard hit, because if, if they do draw a penalty, well, you're not scoring that many power play goals. And the Rangers, like you said, they're, they're in the mid-pack. On that, um, on that front, with, with the uh, excuse me, with, with the power play, and with the penalty for that matter, I also don't believe teams go for that shorthanded goal as often, which will be a downfall for the Rangers because they always think they can get a shorthanded goal. And you're playing a good team and a good power play like the Devils, they're going to wait for the team to make a mistake on that and then come down and put the puck in the net against them. So you have to change your game. You have to change your game a little bit when it comes to special teams in the playoffs because there's so much more importance penalty killing and on the power play. You know, the Rangers were, as I'm looking here, they were seventh on the power play this year so far going into the last game. And on the PK, they were they were 13th. So they, they were outside of the top 10 on the PK. That's something they have to pay attention to because, like you said, they're going to go up against a good devil team. The Devils were tenth on the power play, uh, on the penalty kill in the regular season, and they were thirteenth. So it was the reverse on on the power play. That's not to say that power play wasn't good against the Rangers, like Steve, you were just saying. So I, I think you have to you have to be cautious to be smart. The Rangers on the power play can't be trying to do these tic tac toe perfect passes every time. Get your play. You know, get your opportunity and don't give them any short-handed goals. You don't want to give whoever are playing that extra little bit of momentum. And that's just how I see it with, with the special teams in the playoffs. It, it all starts over once the playoffs begin. We all know that. But the special teams are really important to get those wins 
or to do, excuse me, what Scott was saying, try not to make every game go seven games. If you take advantage of your man advantages, maybe you can knock teams out in five games or six games because you're getting those winning opportunities. And on the flip side, if you don't, then, you know, we'll have another year like when the Rangers won the Cup, when almost every round went seven, and it's just a lot of hockey. Well, what do you think about it, Carl? Important, not important, the Devils better than the Carolina Hurricanes? I don't know. I think it. I think each – they're different hmm, – let me put it this way. There is – each matchup is not ideal. Let's put it that way. That's probably the best way we can put it. You know, there's not this matchup that we're just running out screaming saying, hey, listen, I want to play them. Like, eh. <laughs> Carolina, I, I, right. as, I've, as I've watched these Carolina games, and the one game that stuck out and was the game that they, they scored, I think it was six goals, and they got four goals in the third period. Like, it's pretty much to me, like, if Carolina and the Rangers played 100 times, one of the two teams would probably win 51 and the other one would win 49. Like, I, that's just the way that, like, Carolina is not being overly dominated by the Rangers, and the Rangers are not really being controlled by Carolina. The games sort of look exactly the same every single time, and the results just happen to go in one direction or the other each time. So if they play it again, we're probably looking at a seventh game again. The Devils thing is interesting from this standpoint. And I heard Ray talk about this on uh, – I was listening to a TSN – no, it was a T- yeah, it was TSN the other day. And he was mentioning – the fact that the Devils might be a little too excited in a, in the series to begin with, and the reference that he used was kind of reminiscent to um, to Florida last year against Tampa Bay. You know, they're playing their in-state rival. It, there was a whole lot of emotion in, in in going into that series, and things just kind of got away from Florida early on in that series. And by the time they tried to get it back, it was it was too late. And perhaps in the case if the Rangers were to play the Devils, those first two games would probably be the biggest games of the series, independent from any other games. Because if the Rangers could either steal one, you know, take advantage of some you know over emotion. Because what's going to happen? I can see how this would happen come Monday night. The Devils will be so amped up in that building, and the crowd and everything that they just play a little over themselves, a little too, you know, uber-aggressive. And the Rangers come in there, they've had the experience, they calmly just try to just, kind of like how Pittsburgh did in that first period last year in game one at the Garden, where they'll just take the best shot, take take the Devils' best shot early on, just try to withstand the blows. And if you come out of it down one nothing after a period, you would just come away and say, you know what, we're fine. We're going to, we'll be, we'll, work our way into the game, and eventually pull the game out. And that might just have to be the way it works against the Devils if you do it that way, as opposed to sort of this projected, you know, 6-5 back-and-forth series. I don't think the Rangers even want to get involved in anything like that, if, to be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I feel like the Devils are would be wanting to play a game like that, and the Rangers don't have, you know, unfortunately they don't have the speed to just – you know, race back and forth, ice to ice, you know, 200 feet going back and forth to, to play a, a game like that. And not, definitely not for six or seven games. So I would not be for that at all. But I think each series presents its own unique set of, 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 of challenges that you can't write. As of today, we can't quantify just yet. But if you just sort of play out, okay, 
does Carolina have like if you said okay what does Carolina does Carolina have to do more to win than New Jersey does? I would say yes. Carolina has to have a bunch of things go in their favor in this particular matchup than the Devils. The Devils feel as if they can score four goals and, and win the game, no matter where the game is played. And conversely, Carolina cannot. And that's what, that was my argument last week, is that because Carolina does not have enough outlets to score, to even have a game in which they have the goalie steal the game for you, all of that in play, power play we mentioned. I think last year, I think Carolina was... Didn't, didn't Carolina have a, a, a slump last year of like over thirty something? I'd, I'd have to check that. I thought that was one of the mm-hmm. one of the key factors in last year's postseason because very similar to the Rangers in those previous years that uh, that Scott had mentioned. You know, Carolina won seven games with Boston before they even got to the Rangers last year. So they they have to play a certain way for them to be successful. Whereas you know the Rangers are going to be able to come in there and because of the um, diversity in their in their play this year, being able to not only grind games out, but being able to kind of have those explosive nights that one of these two teams, particularly Carolina, could be on the wrong end of one of those, and all of a sudden the series maybe go a little bit shorter than, than one might expect. But you know what? We won't know the official really up until, you know, 9.30 on Thursday um, because of the way that the, the schedule has played itself out because Carolina plays Florida – the last game of the season, and Florida is only one game or one point ahead of the Islanders, and right now we'll have to wait for tonight's results. But I think going into Thursday, if the results hold tonight, Carolina will only be up one point on the Devils going into Thursday as well, depending on if there's any overtime tonight. So all of this is still up in the air in terms of where all these matchups are going to eventually play out. Damn, Carl, that's, that's all true. in favor of the Clubber Lang approach uh, to the Devils. I like it. <laughs> Coining that term, by the way, Carl, you just solidified it. Thank you. There you go. That is – that's pretty damn funny. Um, to bounce off something else, this is for Scott and Glenn first. On this whole Ranger roster, who are you most excited to see play this season in the playoffs? I know who I want, but – is there one play like, damn, I can't wait to see this guy go this year? Um, well, uh, conventional wisdom would say the two new guys, but uh, I'm going to say Patrick Kane. And that doesn't mean I need a goal a game out of him. I, I, I realize he's 34. I get that. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see Tarasenko with more uh, – sustained uh, output, sustained points. But, uh, you know, Kane has obviously been there. You know, three Stanley Cups. He's been in the finals, I think, a couple more times. Like, obviously, there's nobody on this entire roster who knows the playoffs better than Patrick Kane. Uh, So he's – I'm excited to see what he can do uh, as far as the, uh, you know, the the quote-unquote the showtime. Like, this is what we got him for. Uh, Several people, I think, said it last week, a couple weeks ago. We didn't get him for these – 15, 20, however many games he's been here, this is not what we got him for. Although he has been more pronounced than uh, than St. Louis when he got here, um, uh, Eric Stahl when he got here, you know, he has been uh, a, a lot more visible and a lot more productive than most of our big name uh, deadline acquisitions. So that's a positive note. But again, we got him for next week, and I'm excited uh, to see what he can do specifically with those ridiculous hands of his. Well, uh, yep, 
Well, um, I was also going to say Patrick Kane because I was the one that said we didn't get him for these uh, 15 games or so. We got him for starting Monday. But uh, I, I don't want to uh, just be bland to go along with Scott. So um, I'm going to say <laughs> the, 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 the kid line in total, but Filipino. Um, mm. Yeah, I, 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 I want to see what Filipino can do if he, um, you know, if he happens to get any time on the second power play unit instead of uh, Trocek. Um, uh, last year, uh, there were a number of games in the playoffs where the kid line was the most energetic line uh, on the ice. And obviously, we didn't have Tarasenko. We didn't have Kane then. But, um, you know, I, I'm looking to see continued progress uh, from that line and uh, hopefully see them recreate what they did uh, in the playoffs last year. So, uh like I said, Patrick Kane would probably be my first choice, but uh, secondary would be uh, the three kid line, the three on the kid line, and and specifically Heedle. Steve, who you got? It's going to be Patrick Kane because of <clears throat> him demanding to play for the Rangers, lead the Blackhawk organization. He has a lot more pressure. Let's say if we were to play the Devils, than let's say a team of Meyer, who's an excellent and talented player in his prime. But the Kane is obviously Kane because he's a Stanley Cup winner. However, he was very vocal about leaving Chicago, and he's not. This is his time. He's he's really under a microscope. Probably the most under the microscope player coming in acquisition for midseason out of any player in the in, in NHL. I, I think it's Patrick mm-hmm. Kane. He's all eyes all mm-hmm. are on him. Um, it's just that simple for me when it comes to that. But I have a question for you guys, and I know after we go around, we'll get to the other teams, but I, I foresee a situation. Let's say if the Rangers are tight, and, and Glenn, you said the kid line overall. I Listen, the line's going to have to make a decision because the kid line as a unit, to me, plays – they're the, the reason why we've won a lot of games as, as far as their skating, their youth, the, the, the talent, as far as coming together, Hito, Lafayette, and Kako – but there, I see something where, you know, if you guys could chime in, um, if things get tight, they short, Gallant shortens their minutes for, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Patrick Kane line or the Tarasenko line. And then what's going to happen when those situations happen? Because I think we lose juice when the kid line is not getting as much TOI as they should because other lines are not maybe doing their job, turnovers of that nature. What are you guys' thoughts? I don't, I don't, why would the kid line be the line that loses the ice time? I think after last year's year's playoffs and what we've done in the regular season this year, I I think that might turn into the line that Gallant relies on the most. And I know you guys might think I'm crazy with Kane and and Tarasenko, but man, let me tell you, they give 110% every shift. Even if they're in our own end and not producing offensively, just the way they play, they coverage. Last night was, you know, a night when I really I try to like pay attention not just to the game but to the players. Even when Buffalo was in LN, those guys' pursuit on the puck was just phenomenal. Nonstop. Pressure after pressure. Lafreniere's playing so well with taking the body. Kako is a totally different hockey player than he was last year with his confidence. Now he goes to the net. He's confident with his shot. Beatles just becoming, as we've all been saying, a, a different player altogether. He deserved the extension and, you know, and, and all of that. But I would think 
I got. I would think he would have to shorten the bench on, on some of the other lines. I, I think mm-hmm. Gallant is confident putting him out there in any situation. The team thrives off their playing. You know, if they're slumping, if right. they're making stupid plays, if they're just not in it. So I, I don't think, Steve, that it, it would be them losing the minutes. I think, if anything, he's going to have to play them more. And I know it's hard. I hope you're right. Bottom on one side, you got Panarin on right. the other. But in the playoffs, and we've all agreed and said about this, and we've all played and so forth, you've got to play the best five-man unit as much as you can who's giving you the best opportunity to win a playoff game. So I, I think now, you. a year later, and Gallant sees what he has, you know, if, if, if Kane and, and, and that line isn't doing great or just isn't getting going, well, then, damn it, I'm going to play them a little bit less, and I'm going to put Heatles on on. And if there's a night when the kid line looks like kids and they're not doing it, well, then they're going to be the ones to fall mm-hmm. by the wayside. And God forbid Panarin has a playoff like he had last year when he freaking couldn't skate away from his own shadow without tripping. But then that line's going to be the one that's going to take some less minutes. I, I think I think the organization is at that point where now is the time to really step forward. And I think Kalant's smart enough to know I'm going to play the guys that are going to give me what I need in a certain circumstance with confidence. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see who wants So I hope every line, I hope Gallant has trouble deciding what line to play the most because they're all playing so well. I mean, I think we have one of the best fourth lines in hockey right now. Mm-hmm. Truly do with, with those three guys. And I think when it comes to scoring, I think he's going to go. For, I, I don't think there is a first line right now. And we had that a couple of years ago, right, Steve, when it was like scoring by committee, when Zuccarello was really playing well and mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And I think playoff-wise, I, I think they're at that point now. What do you call? What do you think? They – the kid line can carry this team if need be? Um, let's put it this way. It is an I... It is a... Mm, it, it is, I don't... Fantasy word's not the right word I want to use. Um, in an ideal world, he would treat all the lines and all the players the same. But we know that there is an emotional component to this. There is not a, a robotical, emotionless thing that goes on here and the the reference point i'll use look how long the coach had to wait to bench or not necessarily bench but reduce marty st louis ice time in the 2015 playoffs it took a long long time the coach was the coach kept believing and kept believing until it got to the point where he could no longer believe in him anymore and then we you know eventually he found his way mostly to the bench Will there be a player in this postseason that will have a similar that will suffer a similar fate? I don't know who that player is going to be yet. We're going to have, obviously have to wait to, to see who that's going to be. But that is always going to be my flashpoint. To you know, as much as we'd like to say, just play the best players. Ideally, yes. But even I can't be naive to not think that there is some component of if Patrick Kane is, is struggling for a few games, the idea of just him just sitting on the bench for minutes at a time is just not something I'm even I'm even considering. That the coach is gonna believe that at any moment 
the puck is on his skate and he can make a play to win the game for for the Rangers at some point in the postseason. That's what I got. I have to believe that. Maybe Tarasenko finds it. Maybe maybe not so much, but that's that's kind of how I look at it. And actually, the player that I was getting a spotlight for the postseason was Kako, because the last time the postseason uh, existed, Kapo Kako wasn't playing the last game the Rangers played in the postseason last year. Mm-hmm. So we went from that right. potentially him being traded to everybody hugged it out to the season he's having <laughs> to here we are here. It's been a very, very interesting journey from June, was it June 10th or June, whatever it was last year, when on a Saturday night you found out word that Kako was being healthy scratched and not playing when the Rangers were down three games to two. So that is the person that I have highlighted for my post. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Can I just add something in here, Steve? Um, the, the reason I mentioned that line is uh, now that the fourth line uh, has been solidified, and it took most of the season to do that, uh, and obviously with the acquisitions of Tarasenko and Kane, um, I think one of the strengths of this team is its depth uh, of the roster compared to other teams. And uh, two things about that. Uh, the, the first is that if, if the kid line is matching up against primarily the third line of whatever team the Rangers happen to be playing, um, I think that's where that depth can come in. Uh, and, and I think Gallant has done a decent job, not a great job, but a decent job of playing whatever line happens to be going that night. Um, the other, the other point I would make, especially if the Rangers play the Devils in the first round, is um, that line is very much a, a possession line. They can, they can hold the puck and control a shift in the opposition's op, uh, zone. Um, and, and I think especially against the Devils, that that's a good defense against uh, their speed and their skill. So uh, I think especially if the Rangers play the Devils, uh, the kid line could be uh, uh, very vital to uh, the Rangers' success. So that's kind of why I picked them as well. Scott, you've been quiet. <laughs> I'm just waiting my turn. Um, yeah, yeah the, the, the kid line does... Take, put the toothache down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, RPA, I I love your rant about the kid line, about how they should be untouchable when it comes to uh, reduced ice time or changing things up, and I could not agree more. Um, When when they're flat and things need to change, case in point, that game in Carolina uh, earlier in the year when we were down 2-1, to and then that was when we had first gotten Tarasenko, so we thought that Tarasenko-Panarin – and uh, Zabanajad line was half handcrafted by Zeus himself. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it didn't get off to a good start. And in that game, they were flat. And he shook it up. And all of a sudden, Panarin's playing with Trocek. And uh, four goals later, we win. Six, you know, four Panarin goals later, we're up to six to two. So the point is, I think the um, he just shuffled those top six. I, I, I don't recall if the kid line was broken up involved in that. But typically, when the team is flat and things need to change, uh, if there is one one 
uh, spark that's not flat. It's the kid line. Like you said, they, 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 you know, they hit the ground running every time they're out there. They make something happen every single time they're out there. Uh, they remind me a lot of, uh, of Broussard, Zuccarello, and, and, and Pouliot from, from 2014. That was our, our best line that nobody really saw it coming. Um, you know, yeah, these kids, uh, if anybody, it's hard to quote-unquote punish anybody with reduced ice time when you've got names like, of course, uh, you know, Zibanejad, Panarin, Kane, Tarasenko, when you've got names like that, uh, you know, Kreider, Kreider's Kreider, you know, he's back in my good graces uh, after I thought a, a kind of a less than – uh, reverting year, but you know what? He's, he's 35 goals. You know, 30, the 35 goals should be the norm. You know, 35 goals is a lot for him because it's the second highest total ever, which is nice to see coming off of the 52 last year. But um, he—that's he, he, what he's been doing his entire career. But I, I don't want to devolve into a crier pass because I said he was back in my good graces. But yeah, I think uh, the kid line. If there, if, if there's a cat, when there's a catalyst. Uh, it's always going to be them. I mean, remember, you know, the, the, the that shift. I was just looking at that the other day. I was just watching that and going through Ranger highlights. That ridiculous shift against Tampa that culminated a goal in a game one that, like, two and a half minutes of offensive uh, zone time, the crowd was mm-hmm. going berserk. Uh, yeah. You know, if there's going to be a shift like that that's going to turn momentum in the Rangers' favor, get the crowd into the game, or if they're on the road, get their crowd out of the game, it's 99% chance it's going to be that line. So while Again, Kane is, and I think uh, I, I, I think it was Steve that raised an excellent point about that. I don't remember who, uh, but also about about the Kane thing because he was so, you know, we knew he was coming here. Everything was about that that two week long chess match to 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 get him here. You know, on top of of the playoff experience and success that he brings, uh, that whole thing where we just we knew he was coming here and making it happen and, 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 and sliding the pieces around to get him here. There was just there was so much hype about that trade in the works. So yeah, so I so I'm definitely sticking with Kane, but uh I'm definitely excited to see the uh the kid line now that they're they're still kids, sure. But uh, you know, last year they looked like you know, they had five years playoff experience. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be amazing to see what they bring, uh, what they bring to the ice this time. And hopefully uh, if anybody can avoid one of these terrible starts, it's going to be them. Or also <laughs> uh, like uh, RP, like you said, it'd be nice. Or I don't remember who said it, but uh, also it'd be nice if, if every line is firing all, all cylinders and we, and, and you know, that would be a good problem to have. All three lines are, are just not having slow starts and just, you know, on fire to start. That's that's what we need. We need this team. You know, they, yeah, they, they got a taste of it last year, and now it's time to take the next step. I, yeah, um, I agree. I, I think it's definitely time for that next step. Yeah. Um, so let's get predictions later. Um, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna go around the, the rest of the league and get you guys thoughts as far as p- potential matchups and who's gonna come out of the first round. I I believe. Toronto's going home again in the first round. I think Tampa Bay uh, <laughs> has a better roster. Braden Point has played out of his mind, and they're switching of the lines with John Cooper, with Killorn moving up, with Stamkos and and, and Paul. I, t- I will put Tampa Bay over Toronto unless you guys can make a case. Hopefully the Rangers beat the Devils. We talked about them pretty much all episode. Uh, I'm, you know, it still remains to be seen as far as you know, you know, Carolina gets the one seed, but out west is really intriguing as well. 
it's like every team is like close in points. I mean, of course, Boston ran away with the whole damn thing. And Boston's pretty much playing with momentum since last year when they played Carolina and it took them to seven and carried over to this season. But out in the West, that Dallas-Minnesota reminds me of the Calgary-Dallas uh, playoff series of last year. I like what Dallas has done this season. Uh, Robertson has been a monster. And I know Carl could talk about that as well. Uh is it you buying the Seattle stock versus Colorado, the defending champs? You know, Seattle has, has – they have won five in a row. There's been stretches of this year where they look invincible, putting up monster goals. But even the last year's series was almost a classic with Edmonton and L.A., and they re, that's pretty much a rematch. Out West, everybody's kind of bunched together. Nobody really separated themselves from the pack, and Colorado hung around. Right. Um, I don't know, RP, what are your thoughts as far as the rest of this uh, playoff potential series, and what teams do you like, and everybody else's thoughts? Well, I with Tampa Bay and Toronto, the only reason why I would say – Toronto might win the series. Is what's it been twenty years since they got out of the first round? Murphy's law is they have to win a series eventually. Tampa Bay has looked old at times, and at times they look like they're the Tampa Bay of old. So you you, you never quite know. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting series. I, I wouldn't write Toronto off just because of that whole thing. Eventually they have to win a series. You can't keep losing in the first round every year. So it, it might happen. So I don't know with that. Um, I also have a personal bias, guys. I want you to understand this. The Rangers have to beat the Devils if they play them in the first round. Because if they don't and the Devils move on, it will knock out my daughter's graduation at the Prudential Center. It will change dates. We can't have that. So we just need the Devils to be out of it so I don't have to worry about that shit. Mm-hmm. Personal little side <laughs> note. But I prefer to you know that the Devils are not being played at home on Thursday, May 12th. So if the Rangers can just knock them out, I don't have to worry about changing all my plans. So let's just keep that in mind. It would really help me out. Um, uh, in, the, in the West, I agree with you, Steve. Nobody ran away at all on that. It, it's amazing when you look at the point standings on all these teams. They're all right there. 104 points, 102 points, 107 points. Nobody really wanted to take the lead and, and go about it. I'd love to see Seattle make a little bit of noise and, and knock someone out and get that that one eight kind of upset. Um, Vegas has been playing much better. The Kings have to be a surprise. They've been looking really well. Um, there's always Dallas and Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's got Florida. He's always that guy can take you a long way. So I think the West is a is a it's potluck, but it's great hockey to watch. Especially when we want to take a break from watching. Our ranges and all the stress that comes with that. If you just want to put a hockey game on, anybody in the West, those those late games are going to be a blast to watch. Um, I don't really have a favorite coming out of the West. I mean, you, you want to say Edmonton. God, Connor McDavid's had a great year. Leon Dreisaitl's always having a great year, but they are not that successful once they get to the postseason. And once again, maybe that's another time where Connor McDavid can finally get his guys to, to move up, so it, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch, but I mean, I couldn't even take a crap shot uh, of who I think is going to come out of the West, and I don't know who in the West could battle against anybody from the East on a consistent basis. It, it's going to be an interesting series, but uh, I don't know. If I, if I had a roll of dice, I'd like to see Edmonton come out of it, but I really think it's going to be Minnesota. 
Mm. Mm. I'm trying to go with something crazy there, guys. <laughs> Feel free, Glenn, <laughs> Carl Scott, if somebody's I'll tell you who's ahead, not coming out of the first round, and that's Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, I got a, I got a gripe. <laughs> I'll try and uh, tighten the story up here. Uh, ever since that game we played the Penguins on ABC, uh, it was, I believe, what, March, uh, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> the game we played the Penguins on ABC on primetime, the league marketing department, you know, I, I've been ranting on them ever since they, uh, they of course, screwed up the, uh, the animated thing. The, the, the marketing department's awful to begin with. You know, uh, they, they – did it again with that Rangers-Penguins game. Um, so I tuned into the game about 10 minutes before it starts, and, of course, they're talking about the Penguins, and they're talking about Crosby and Malkin and Latang, how they've been together 17 years. And actually, that, that was pretty impressive. They've been, played together 17 years in their accomplishment. That's fine. Then they go back into the studio, and they ask, okay, what do the Penguins have to do to win this game? And P.K. Subban had this look on his face like, uh, nothing like they're going to get crushed, you know, but it was just like, like penguins, penguins, penguins. Then they go to the girl uh, down by the glass talking about Crosby, this Crosby, Crosby, Crosby. Like, like I, like I'm, a, I'm not an idiot. Obviously we know about the, the, the fascination with Crosby, but here you've got like what, 12, 13 games to go in the regular season. You know, this game is on ABC prime time. This is for like the average sports fan who doesn't know what to look for. Uh, and, and you know, who's you think, okay, what do I need to know going into the playoffs here? Oh, Okay, Rangers, Penguins, I remember that. That's a big rivalry. I remember that playoff series last year. That was a great series. So what are we looking at this year? And, you know, just needing some kind of guidance. And this is Penguins, 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 Penguins. And, and she ends her little rant with, well, any team with Sidney Crosby on it can, uh, you know, can make any, anything can happen as long as they got Sidney Crosby on the team and could this be his last run. So they're, they're hyping up this, this Penguins uh, narrative, which is complete bullshit, because the Penguins are not even <laughs> half of the team they were last year. So again, like their fascination with Crosby. Meanwhile, the Rangers are the story here. You know, you got a team from from you know looking to take this next step from last year, who had the missing pieces. They loaded up with superstars at the trading deadline. Whose team has been on fire, you know, since been one of the best teams in the league. Like, we are the story here. There are two teams playing that night, one of which has a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and it ain't the Penguins. So, so again, with their Penguin fascination, they're, they're telling the average sports fan, and again, this, like, this is, you know, that game is where they're trying to pick up people for the playoffs as far as fans. Viewership is down 22% from last year, and they're, they're concocting, again, it goes to what, was, what we were saying months uh, like last month where the, the, the NHL concocts their storylines like wrestling does. But the difference is nothing is planned here. Nothing is staged. You have to let it play out. The NHL just loves to manufacture bullshit that it wants. And they're trying to, you know, again with the Crosby and they're so, so what if the average sports fan who was watching, you know, okay, all right, uh, Crosby, you know, looks in the standings, sees the Rangers in third. So, you know, oh, that doesn't look too good. Maybe they're not the story here. So, all right. So, Sydney Crosby, Penguins, and they're going to be epically. First of all, they were epically disappointed that game because the, the Rangers beat them seven to nothing. So, so you're, you know, your non-hockey knowing sports fan is like, uh, well, that uh, that's not what they told me. And then, okay, so okay, maybe and maybe they might they might not even on, make the playoffs. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's, 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 I was a little long-winded. They just, it, it just infuriated me that they gave a bullshit story that's going to let people down if they're actually buying it. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go get a glass of water. Hey, Glenn, let me ask you this, man. Hey, Glenn, what about you? What are your thoughts on the playoff matchups, West or the East? Like, what what series and matchups you looking at? And then Carl after that. Well, you know, I'm looking at a couple of things here. I'm Pittsburgh is losing to Chicago one nothing after two periods tonight. Um, but if they come back to win, they'll hop over the Islanders. Um, now the Islanders, um, I think they're playing Montreal tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, it's, you kind of question what you saw out of the Islanders against uh, a Washington team that's, uh, you know, badly out of it. Uh, so Pittsburgh actually does have a chance to get in because uh, the Islanders only have the one game left with Montreal. But if Pittsburgh happens to win tonight, they got Columbus uh, for the last game. So Pittsburgh could find themselves sneaking in. Now, they'll most likely get smoked by Boston. But, uh, you know, on, on the one hand, I'm not sure who I'd rather see out, the Islanders or the, uh, uh, the Penguins. Um, I'm not sure either of them deserve it. But, um, you know, probably, probably rather see the Islanders out. Probably give me more satisfaction and then watch uh, uh, Crosby get led out of the playoffs by the Bruins. Um, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I had, uh, uh, you know, the, the, what do you would think, um, if you look at uh, Tampa and Toronto, is, well, you know, Toronto's got, got that offense, and, uh, you know, Tampa's more of a defensive team. And I'm just kind of looking here at the standings. Would you believe that Tampa has scored three more goals than Toronto? Uh, but Toronto has given up. 33 less goals than Tampa. So it's actually the, the opposite of what you would think would, would be the, uh, the the general thinking. So I got to say that, you know, Toronto maybe does have a shot uh, to knock off Tampa. Um, you know, they have looked a little old at times. Uh, obviously the Rangers put six up on Vasilevsky uh, when we played them last week. And really uh, that game was, to me, watching it was really never in doubt. Uh, the way the Rangers outplayed them. And, uh, you know, they might miss McDonough, too, uh, when the playoffs come. So uh, I would give Toronto Toronto a uh, a good chance to knock out Tampa. Um, and, uh, you know, then we'll see with the uh, wild cards who winds up, uh, you know, whether it's Florida Islanders or Pittsburgh, um, who gets a chance to, to uh, play the, the Bruins. Over in the West, you know, I had said last week that, you know, I've watched a few Edmonton games, and they're starting to get some goaltending. And uh, if they continue to get that goaltending, which, you know, I, I kind of have to question, it's, it's Stuart Strider. Uh, so uh, nobody knew who he was in January. So, uh, uh, but if, if they continue to get that goaltending, boy, I mean, they have just flown up the standings. Um, you know, they're only two points behind uh, Vegas. So they actually could even catch Vegas and, and uh, come in first in the conference where they'd have the home ice throughout. Uh, so uh, Edmonton's got a good chance to uh, get out of the, uh, the West Conference, in, in my opinion. Um, and uh, also, you know, you look at, you look at that, uh, the central division. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I mean, Colorado has risen from the, uh, from the grave there. They were pretty middling through the whole uh, uh, season, and obviously they've uh, – you know, had a lot of injuries. Landeskog hasn't played a game. McCarr was out. Uh, I think, uh, you know, a number of guys were out for them. Uh, but Georgiev has surprised me. Uh, I I didn't think 
he was a guy who could uh, start 50, 60 games. I didn't think that he, he was that goalie. Now, you look at the team that he's on, uh, and his record is obviously tremendous. Uh, he's kind of neck and neck with Igor as far as the statistics go, wins, and uh, I think he's a little better in goals against and, and save percentage. Uh, but Colorado has really uh, uh, kind of jumped uh, from where they were early in the season. But, boy, I tell you, look, I'm just looking now at the Western Conference. In the last 10 games, Colorado is 8-2. and two. Dallas is 7-2-1. and one. Minnesota is 6-2-2. and two. Vegas 6-1-3. and three. Edmonton nine zero and one. I mean, Seattle even seven two and one. I mean, out in the mm-hmm. West, you just keep winning and winning and winning, and and you could lose ground or you know not make any headway in the standing. So uh, those teams out there, uh, you know, they're 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 up there 107, 105, 104 points. I mean, they've gotten right up there with the uh, with the Eastern Conference, which was not the case for most of the season. So you got a bunch of teams out west that are uh, really going into the uh, the playoffs uh, full steam ahead. So uh, I think a lot of the games out in the west are going to be uh, interesting. Again, Colorado is a team to beat until uh, they get beaten. But uh, I'm looking at Edmonton, and if they get their goaltending, uh, I think they could make it to the finals as well. Carl? You know, my series, independent of um... – of the Rangers series, obviously, it will be the Toronto-Tampa series. You know, five years in a row, Toronto has lost in, in an deciding game. I've been following this story for about 10 years now, even before that, uh, as well in the early part of the 2000s, before they went into their little slump. And eventually this has to end. I felt I've always, I, about three years ago I said after they lost, I think, the seventh game to Boston the second time, actually for the third time, I said, you know, if Toronto's ever going to do this, they're going to have to go through Boston in some sort of fashion to do so. And so between them beating Tampa and getting through Boston, that's all sort of part of the story for them, and that's the series that uh, I'm targeting. Unfortunately, on the other side, you know, the, the fact that the last year I got boned on this because when the Rangers games were on, the Stars games would follow right afterwards, especially the home games. And so I wasn't able to go to American Airlines for, for the playoff games. That's why I have – that's why I haven't bought in my playoff tickets yet, even though they came on sale the other day. I'm, I'm waiting because I'm not trying to get, you know, conflicting, uh, conflicting times on, on this. So I'll, I'm, I'm going to wait till, um, you know, probably Saturday to make that decision. But Colorado held the fort just long enough to where even though the, the Stars had a tremendous season, all things considered, Colorado still probably is going is to pass them, which I'm still stunned by. And it's going to set up an interesting first-round series if uh, if the Stars play the Wild. Uh, um, Minnesota, did you know? I think Minnesota is operating like twenty million dollars under um, under the salary cap because of different financial cons- um, issues that they have had. So they're operating twenty million dollars less than everybody else in the league this season. I think Larry Brooks had that story about about a month ago. So in the salary cap hell sport that it is right now, that. Their, their turnaround has been absolutely uh, amazing. But, you know, the bracket challenge that the NHL is going to be doing this this, this, uh, this postseason, you know, anything is possible with, with all the different combinations um, that can come about. So, you know, we've got a great postseason starting up on Monday. Like I said, I think it's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Actually, for you, Steve, I think it's going to be a, a garden day on, sun, on the Sunday because I think the Knicks and the Rangers are going to be playing playoff games on the same day. 
uh, in the building because Billy Joel has a concert the day before. So you always have to take into account, uh, you know, <laughs> concerts at the Garden that usually will take precedent over uh, over over games. So I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to get those four games on those four days, and then we'll see what happens. Um, but one. One recommendation I would say for you guys, if you have not seen it, I've seen it twice now because I watched it last week, is getting ready for the postseason. Watch the ESPN Unrivaled documentary. Um, it's, it's, it's the Avalanche and the Red Wings. To me, the greatest rivalry I've ever seen, independent of the Red Sox and the Yankees. And that seven-year um, odyssey of hockey, I don't know how the league – I don't know how stuff, how they got away with some of that stuff in, in, in that period of time, but tw- 20 Hall of Famers, five Stanley Cups won between those two teams, and just the blood, the sweat, and Darren McCarty and Claude Lemieux meeting up in this, um, in this um, uh, location in Detroit with a whole bunch of Detroit fans basically just talking it out, reminiscing about the good times. It is an incredible 90 minutes to get you ready for the postseason. I would suggest going out of your way if you get a chance between now and Monday and just watching that series, watching that uh, that documentary. It is incredible. Wow. Cool, cool. RP, are you going to lead yeah. us to final thoughts? or? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll with final thoughts because i got to cut out. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot. We, we covered a lot. Um I think the playoff run is going to be great. I know that's saying as a Ranger fan, first and foremost, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to a, a long run. I, I do think whoever they play, they definitely have the capability to get out of the first round and, and have some good things happen. Um, I personally know one of the, uh, the executive chefs over at MSG, and they won't be announcing any schedules until Saturday. Uh, I think he said Friday, because they're waiting for the NHL to end, especially concerning the Knicks and the Rangers. Uh, so we're going to have to wait until all of that concludes before we see either NBA or NHL's playoff uh, games come out, because they're waiting for all of that to conclude. But, guys, it's, it's going to be a blast. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about as these playoff games you know, continue on. Uh, keep following me on Forever Blue Shirts and Empire Sports Media. Now that my girls' lacrosse season is winding down, I hope to uh, hope to start writing a little bit more about all of this and all of your input on these podcasts gives me so much things to so much content to write about. So I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to uh, talking next Saturday once we know when we're playing and and how things will be going. So you have a good night, and I will uh, definitely catch up with you guys next Tuesday. Shout out to the RP. RP? Uh, what was that call? What was that call? You've been fighting off the Twitter haters? You've been fighting off the you've been sliding yeah, those you know, Twitter haters I've been, away? <laughs> I, I, I've been trying to, to send them away. I've been staying away from them a little bit. I haven't been on as much because I, can, I only have so much stupidity that I can take in, in a one-month period. <laughs> and, and, and March was just, <laughs> you know, I, I'm convinced of one thing, guys. We could go 82-0, and 0 and they would have a problem somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I would have loved to have seen Twitter during the Rangers' 94 Cup run. I really would have, because they could rip anything. Anything good, they will rip apart just on anything. Uh, a bad play, a, a bad line change, and it's like the end of the world. I mean, the Rangers have one of the best records since last December when Trubert blew his helmet, and it's 
if an average fan went on, they would think the Rangers weren't making the playoffs. I decided to take a little bit step back from arguing because after a while it gets like the same thing over and over. But I do love the content. I do love the banter back and forth because Ranger fans have so much heart. I mean, they do love their team. I mean, you look at last night. Like I said, it was the first the first game I went to this season. It was the first sideline I've been to in, since before COVID. That place was jumping. I mean, it was it was an incredible atmosphere right into the last shootout miss that uh, that we had. I, I was not thrilled, just to tell you, Carl, spending $17 on a beer. But I guess it didn't bother me too much because I did have three. So I'll have to get my morals together. But other than that, Enjoy the playoff run, and uh, and uh, I'll try to be good on Twitter when I can. Let's get a minute right. each because we're running out of time. Uh, Carl, <laughs> and then Glenn, and Scott, and then we'll wrap up. Shout out to RP. We'll be back next Tuesday. But Carl, final thoughts from you, sir? Uh, about a minute so we can wrap up. I don't even need a minute. I thank you all for this great time. We've got, we went through the fall, through the winter months, the spring months are here, and the best time of the year starts on Monday. And so whether we have our game on Monday or we'll wait till Tuesday, we'll have to see. Maybe we'll get a game on Tuesday and we post game after that. But, hey, Let's do that. We've, we've gotten through the 82 games, and we are finally, finally on the other side of it. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Let's do it if there's a post game Tuesday. Of course. Shout out to Carl. Uh, final thoughts mm-hmm. from you, Glenn, and then Scott, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, just uh, a couple of quick thoughts. First, uh, if we uh, ever needed another reason to want to see the Devils eliminated, uh, where we've got uh, RP's daughter uh, to have the uh, Devils vacate the Rock by May 12th. So that's uh, just another reason to uh, root against the Devils. Um, the, uh, the last point I would make is, um, you know, we see the record of the Boston Bruins, and uh, everybody feels like, you know, they've just kind of run roughshod through the through the league. Um, and I know they're right up there. I think it was maybe the uh, the 78 Canadians and uh, the early 2000 uh, Iserman uh, Red Wings uh, who uh, have the records for the most points, most wins, all of that. Uh, and uh, Boston also has a lot of veteran depth. Uh, they've got maybe the third best player in the league behind Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid with uh, David Pasternak. Um, and, uh, but they, they've also got two well, goaltenders that... who have played tremendous this year. Absolutely. I mean, Omar deserves a visitor for sure. I mean, I guess they'll both share it. Uh, but uh, they're not playoff tested. And uh, that, you know, may come back to haunt them. May not, but, you know, that might be hey. – uh, a weakness on the Bruins. And the last thing real I would quick. say is, you know, those two – go ahead. I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. I was going to say this real quick, but here's my two questions. I forgot to ask ask it when RP was on the air. Uh, number one, uh, you're taking – this is a question for all you guys. Carl, if you could jump back in. Boston or the field? That's question number one. And, and specifically for Carl – I mean, not Carl, Scott and Glenn, are you guys going to apologize to the Vegas Golden Knights? Because you guys wrote and written the fuck out of them over the summer saying they were done, <laughs> and look at where they are now. So I just want to make sure you, you guys put that uh, with your thoughts on the Golden Knights, Boston, or the field, if you had to pick, for the Stanley Cup. Uh, for me, the field. <laughs> okay, for me, me the too. Field, me seriously. too. I, I, you know, the, the, uh, those two teams, I was about to say, Steve, those two teams, those Canadians and those uh, Red Wings, 
uh, that had those uh, incredible records for wins and points, they did go on to win the cup. But as we all know, much more often than not, the President's Trophy winner does not go on to win the cup. And I think this is, again, going to be one of those years. Um, And as far as Vegas goes, you know what? I can't even explain (laughs) why they are where they are. I can't tell you, you know, they got this, they had great goaltending. I I mean, and I watched them, too. I can't tell you why they they are where they are. So I'll apologize to them, but I kind of still half stand by what I was saying last summer about them. (laughs) I feel you, man. I'm fucking with you, man. Shout out to Scott. Hey, Carl, real quick, answer uh, Boston or the field. Uh, Get your opinion before we go to Scott. If Boston wasn't going to – if they don't face the Islanders in the first round of the playoffs, like I think that that would be their toughest matchup early on, right off the jump. But if they're going to get Pittsburgh, I would actually take Boston over the field from the standpoint is that I, once, I'm trying to figure out where the, 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 who they would get picked. If you tell me the Rangers can get to Boston, then in the conference final, I might change my mind. But I feel like – they may be the only team out of the Eastern Conference field that could pull this off. I don't think anybody in the West can. All right. Shout out to Carl. Scott, your mm-hmm. final thoughts is Last Kingdom on Friday. Feel free. I mean, this is the time of the year. Get as much sleep we can this week before the shows and, of course, all the playoffs. Scott, your final thoughts. Uh, apologies to Vegas and also Boston or the field in your final thoughts. <laughs> Uh, well, first of all, I, I, I guess I, if I have to choose, I, I choose the field, I guess. I mean, we've seen seemingly unbeatable, terrifying teams. Uh, nobody as terrifying as this. I mean, they set the record. Um, so, but it's anybody's game. I mean, like somebody said, they just need to uh, beat themselves and, and on, you know, they're human. They're players, same as everybody else. Um I definitely have an apology to make, but not not to Vegas. Never to Vegas. Their 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 very existence uh, upsets me. It angers me. Uh, so I will not. Why you know, I'm with Carl? I, I'm with I'm with Glenn on that. Why they are where they are, nobody knows. Uh, they're obviously pretty damn good. Uh, but no, I will not apologize to them. I will apologize to you, fine gentlemen, uh, for kind of losing my shit before. I didn't realize that I was streaming into my phone. Uh, what can I say, Gary Bettman? Makes me angry, and sometimes I cannot control myself. I can control myself. I can't even. I can't even pronounce enunciate uh, words here. He's got me. I just, Gary Bettman infuriates me, and sometimes I I lose it thinking about Gary Bettman and everything that he's done wrong with this league. So I apologize to you, fine gentlemen, for losing my shit. Um, but um, as far as whoever suggested that we go live after game one, well, we tried that last year, if you remember. Uh, but unfortunately, three overtimes yeah. later, it would have been a 1 a.m. show, so that didn't work out for us. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Well, if we ever get uh, to know who our opponent is and who's home, we will find out if we are uh, if we have a game Tuesday or not. Can't wait. All right. Any, any just, quick thoughts on Last Kingdom? Real, real quick. Let me on. just say that there's no, there's no need for Scott to apologize about that. You know, back back in the back in the day, we had uh, on the Red Sox Manny being Manny. That was just Scott being Scott. There's no reason to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank Scott, you. Scott, a quick two sentences. Any two sentences on the Last Kingdom you want to share? I thought I was going to get a Last oh, Kingdom. Pretty, 
Pretty stoked, Steve. Obviously, you know what I'm talking about. I know I've plugged this show before. If anybody's looking for a good historical uh, drama uh, about the uh, the Vikings era, The Last Kingdom on Netflix, five beautiful seasons. I actually just rewatched it. I went through all 46 episodes in like two weeks. I know I'm just so unproductive during the day. Um, but uh, they, they're coming out with a movie. Uh, next. I, I have no idea what it's about. Couldn't really get a good grasp of it from the trailer. Um, but you know, it's going to be good. I mean, the same writers, they haven't let us down yet. I'm stoked to see Uhtred back on the screen. And you know what I realized, Stephen, rewatching it, um, in, in the ending, he basically finally at the end, I did, I forgot that he told, uh, he told Edward, the king, uh, you know, the king of Wessex, basically to F off at the end. And it was so unlike mm-hmm. him. And I completely forgot about that. I'm, it was like so good to see because he's been just, you know, getting worked over by, by the kings, you know, doing their bidding, winning kingdoms for him, and then they've been, you know, they, they, they've been screwing him over, and he was just taking it. So it was so good to see at the very end of the show saying, F off your highness. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see where that picks up. I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, shout out to you, Scott, and Glenn, and, and uh, Carl, and RP. Um, looking forward to the playoffs, whatever the finalized matchups are. I think every matchup is going to be fun like it was last year. And, I mean, I really don't have anything else to add from the Blue Shirts side of things. We've kind of been playing glorified preseason games for weeks, if not months now, because of our situation in the standings. Everything's going to turn around. We'll discuss it next Tuesday. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And, of course, um, we got the basketball episode tomorrow, the Knicks, and, of course, the NBA playoffs tomorrow. And, of Carl, uh, you guys are welcome to join if you want. Pick by pick, stakeholder, mock draft. Every pick for the Big Blue Giants on Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Looking forward to that, finalizing my draft board as we speak. Uh, NHL hockey episode will be back next Tuesday. It is good to talk with you guys. Sangreso, ladies and gentlemen, please blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue.